Before we get to this week's episode, the new series of the hit show Manifest has returned to now. Now, in this series, flight 828 goes missing for five and a half years. But when it lands, it's obvious for the passengers that no time has passed at all. Say what? I know. Oh, I'm excited for this new series, though, because there are still so many theories, still so many mysteries and unanswered questions. Tell me about it. Like, where did the plane actually go? Why did the passengers not realise any time had passed? And also, why have they developed these special abilities since they landed? So many unanswered questions, but what we do know is it's the sort of series where everything is interconnected, and that's what makes it so great. So good. And that's Manifest. All episodes, including the new series, ready to stream on now. Plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story where it takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, comedy and impressions lover. And I'm Fran, super fan of reality TV and rom-coms. And we're from now. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. Welcome back. Now, Fran, a few weeks ago, you berated me for wanting to tee up the guest when we already knew who the guest was by virtue of the description of the episode. Time to get over I that now, I wanted to tee Tom. things up, so I'm just going to get straight to it. So here it is, Claire Holt. There we go. <laughs> I fall and please, we got to that quickly this week. <laughs> straight there. I mean, of course, best known for playing Rebecca in The Vampire Diaries and the spin-off, The Originals, huge. Yeah, The Vampire Diaries was that sort of series that built up a big fan following quickly. It actually wouldn't surprise me if they've got a bit of a fandom name. You know, well, like you have do. like the Twihards who love Twilight. <laughs> you've got the Beliebers. You've obviously got the Fanalos. What do you mean, obviously got the Fanalos? Who are the Fanalos? <laughs> the fans of Barry Manilow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you must be a Fanalow, Tom. Oh, I probably am, to be fair. Uh, but she's also done other series, Pretty Little Liars, that was huge. H2O is where she burst onto the scene. She's done a fair few big series. And if, like me, you follow her Instagram, you'll see she's been pretty busy recently. She's got two <laughs> beautiful children and she's also launched a swimwear range with Andy recently. So lots going on. There's lots going on. And if you do see her Instagram, you'll know she is... She's just one of these types just seems very down to earth. She's very open to showcasing her vulnerable side, which we love. And she's also just, she's just hilarious. Yeah, some of her posts absolutely crack me up. So she should make for a fantastic guest. So we're looking forward to this. So here she is. It's Claire Holt on Plot Twist. Well, look, it's lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It feels almost befitting, actually, because in the UK at the moment, what's trending on Twitter is hashtag Ask an Aussie. So it is. It, it literally is. today, the Here day of recording. I am. Ready to go. <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> um, I think it's related to Cadbury's uh, uh, caramel. Is that a thing in Australia? Oh, yum, yeah. I think I missed the caramel train because I moved in 2009. But I'm, I'm a huge like dairy milk fan. OG Cadbury. Are we all? Are we all? Oh, so good. We were actually talking about it earlier, weren't we, Tom? Because we were like, it's the sort of chocolate that you should want the more expensive premium stuff, but all you want is the Cadbury dairy milk. Oh, yeah, no. Give me the milk chocolate. 
Biggest question though. Hit me. Are you chocolate in the fridge or chocolate out the fridge person? No, no way. Chocolate in the fridge is a travesty. <sighs> Really? You're, you're a chocolate in the fridge oh. person? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to melt. It's, I feel like when you put it in, you need it to... No? Or do you I quite like the crunch. It? I like the crunch. All right, that's fair. I guess I'll, I'll give you that. I've never tried caramel, so... I'm People love it. Go. I haven't tried it either. I have to get my mum to send me some over. I'll <laughs> have her shit you some too. She'd love to send some. <laughs> she, she loves Please sending do. little care packages all over. So she, I'll say send them to Tom and Fran, mum. <laughs> oh, amazing. I'll hold you to that. Um, I mean, how are you generally? I mean, we've seen you. Have you been on holiday? Been in, been in Paris? I was, that I a, a was work? on holiday. Yes. Work or no, not work. I had a lovely getaway. Uh, it was my anniversary with my husband, so we went on a little oh, kid-free lovely. trip, which was lovely. Dreamy Paris, nice. very romantic. City of love. Yeah, we went to. Yeah, we did that. That was just on one stop on the way home, but we went to Greece, Italy, and uh, and France. Oh, oh beautiful! I know it's so lush. Nice. I feel a bit guilty about it, to be honest, but. My kids yeah. didn't miss me at all. They were thrilled. Oh, I was really? <laughs> yeah. I wanted them to be... <laughs> I thought they were going to be crying, Mom, I can't... No, nothing. They're like, stay gone. We get lots of iPad. It must be I that. You want, you want them yeah. to be okay without you not there, but also definitely not okay with you not there? A hundred percent. That's what I think all the time. I like them to be like <laughs> proper functioning adults that are, you know, able to live away from me, but also I want them to live with me until they're 40, so... Yeah, absolutely. I think that's completely reasonable. Um, And actually, we always like to start the podcast with a bit of a random chat about, you know, random topics or a bit of trivia. And speaking of kids, I did see when I was in an Instagram hole on your Instagram um, that you were saying about having maybe eight kids. So we're really here for that. Like, keep the good content coming. That was aggressive. I might have had some wine. I was on holiday. I was away from my kids. You know, every time I'm away from them, I'm like, this is not so bad. It's really easy. And then when I'm back, I'm like, oh, no, two's plenty. So maybe we'll just, like, go halfway, another four, maybe another two. No, maybe one more, maybe. Yeah, eight sounds quite exhausting, actually. My dad's one of yeah. ten, which is nuts. <gasps> eight boys and two girls. Big so family. Definitely, yeah, so it definitely works. I've seen it work, but uh, it's probably not for me. Oh, that's, that's intense. Ten. Yeah, I know. Could you imagine how much food they consumed? I don't even know ten. how to keep up with everyone. Like, I struggle <laughs> to keep up with ten friends, let alone nine other siblings. <laughs> Could you imagine? You don't know where half of them are at any point. Well, they'll be all right. They all survived, so, yeah. Yeah. Parents did a great job. Love that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Well, we also like to ask some really slightly random questions just to get to know you a bit better. So the first one that we picked for you was if you could be stuck in an elevator with someone, who do you think the best person to be stuck in an elevator with would be? Literally anyone. And we're we're excluding friends and family from this. So it has to be sort of random person. Well, I want it to be someone, yeah, someone who makes me laugh because I feel like if you're going to be stuck in an elevator... That's a problem. So I'm going to go with Dave Chappelle. Oh, great shout. Love Dave Chappelle. What do you Chappelle. think? Do you like that? I think yeah, he's really smart like too. So when you're not laughing yeah. all the time, you can have a, an interesting conversation. But he's also really funny. Yeah, I like, I like that. that. We were having a bit of a debate of like what sort of person would you go for? So would you go, for, like you say, someone funny to keep you entertained? Or would you I like use so. it as an opportunity if you're a super fan of someone to be like, I've got them in the lift so I can ask them all no. the questions. Oh. No, because they're going to get so annoyed, aren't they? 
Baby like, like get, stop get answering. me out of the elevator. <laughs> I went for someone who would keep me calm because I'd be that person that was screaming, like, we're never getting out of here. Like, I wouldn't be oh, in the mood for the laughing. I'd be like, get me a yoga instructor or something just to oh, zen okay. me out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, I, I thought romantically, I thought Rachel McAdams, but then I thought actually, well, yeah, oh. it's a bit... Well, yeah, the thing is, once that, once you're in there with them, what what are you going to do? Are you going to pounce her? Yeah. <laughs> oh, not no, no, no. Tom, probably. <laughs> you're just going to wait. You're going to do this, play the slow burn, have a play few cool. dates in the elevator, the lift. Slow burn, slow burn. That's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> Fran, you're something else. Sorry, I know. Okay, uh, here's another one. So you know the saying like, "Oh, there's two types of people in this world." Yeah. If you had to pick the two types of people that you'd define the world by, what mm-hmm. do you think that would be? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm um, still struggling with this one. You could be all, all mushy about it and be like, glass half empty, glass half full. But I really think it's like people who leave their clothes on the floor or those who put their clothes in the hamper. <laughs> I'm so with you on that. It's so, my husband I'm leaves his stuff, he steps out of it everywhere. I'm like, this is... I could never be that type of person. There's, there's, got, there's no in-between. You either do it or you don't. And I think the that's what it is. The floor drobe. Yeah. Tom, are you a floor drobe? Yeah, I'm kind of floor drobe. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, similar to you, yeah. I was going to say something like, you know, outlook in life. There's the, I actually did the half empty, oh. half full as well, but then I ended up yeah. with actually the people who like either coriander and, or marmite and the people who don't like coriander <laughs> or marmite because I feel like that's the biggest division of like, all the people in my so life. so true. I'm, I do not like coriander or marmite. Sorry. Oh, you don't like either? No, I don't like either. Oh. I, what I about don't, Vegemite? I, I like Vegemite if it's toasted with cheese and like butter and other mm. flavors but just like licking Vegemite with a spoon is disgusting to me <laughs> disgusting yeah I, see, I, I, I know like there are people who hate it. coriander coriander is just oh. it's all over here too there's they like, use a lot of coriander or cilantro I guess they call it here in, in America so I've kind of had to learn to tolerate it but it's not my first choice fair fair Hard-hitting so uh, stuff we're talking about today. Big questions. I love it. Dave Chappelle to Coriander. It's amazing. I love it. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about your plot twist then. So we say that, you know, you can get plot twists in in TV and film and often they can come as a surprise, the unexpected. But Mm -hmm. similarly, they happen in in real life too. What would be your standout plot twist from your life? In my life? I have to say it was when I met my husband because I'd just gotten out of a really long relationship and I had thought that I was going to be a cat lady for the rest of my life. And I was fine with that, to be honest. I was like, okay, it's just going to be me. And then out of nowhere, I met my husband and we were engaged in six months. Now we have two babies. So it was a really wild situation that I never saw coming and obviously that changed my entire life. How did you first meet? We got set up by um, a mutual friend, and I think, to be honest, our friend set us up to, like, have a fun night and never talk to each other again. And here we are. We're still there. I'm still (laughs) clinging on. My claws are in. I think I have him hooked. I'm not sure yet. Maybe another eight babies will do it. Um, But, yeah. So it was was very wild because, you know, I just never saw my life taking this turn, and I never saw myself having kids so quickly, and... Like, now I can't imagine my life without them. Yeah, it's a big change, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's so true what they say. Like, it is insanely tough and the hardest thing you'll ever do, but there's, like, nothing better. They're obsessed with you. You just make little creatures that, like, are forced to love you. It's what everyone great. <laughs> It's really <laughs> awesome. I know. It's funny, though, that you talk there about you met your husband at the time that you were perfectly happy being on your own and I think there's a lot to be said about yeah. that because I think sometimes people when they really want something to happen they're almost not in the mindset for it to happen because they want for it sure. so much they're not open to just kind Definitely. of being on their own and accepting that that's an okay situation so it's funny how many which times is you so hard that. to tell people right you if you tell someone that when they're in that space they're like shut up go away I don't want to talk to you like that's very hard advice to listen to but I think it's yeah. so true like you know sometimes just being okay with being yourself and who you are makes you more open to bringing the right person in. And if you had to pick a plot twist in your career, what would you mm-hmm. say that would have been? So something that you maybe didn't see coming or... Honestly, my first job, my first job, I never thought I was going to be an actor. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew how to swim. I was on the swim team, I was on the water polo team, so I you know, was doing these TV... H2O, which was a mermaid show. So I was doing these TV commercials to make money because I was working as a medical typist for my dad and he paid me, like, $5 an hour and it was terrible conditions. (laughs) I was in a basement, like, I was typing away. And um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do TV commercials. I get to eat, you know, cheese bread and drink pink lemonade all day for, like, a Sizzler commercial. or That would be a great way to earn money, much easier than this. So I did that and then this opportunity came up to audition for a TV show to play a mermaid. And so that's why, you know, I could swim, but I couldn't act at all. I had no idea what I was doing. In fact, I failed ninth grade drama. That's the only subject I've ever failed really? in my life. Drama. Uh-huh. It's um, a plot twist in Devastated. Itself, right? Plot twist. Uh, so <laughs> I went to the audition. I scraped through the acting round, I think. I was probably terrible, but somehow they were nice enough to let me through. Maybe they had confidence that I'd make up for it in the swimming round. And then we did the swimming portion of the audition and I like popped up from the water and got the job. So it was really wild. I never, ever anticipated that that would sort of be my career path. Um, but then once I started, I, you know, I got the bug, like they say, which is so lame, but it's true. I really loved it and I kept going. So that's how I became an actor. So what did you feel really that was kind of learning on the job then? That being For your sure. Let me say, if you failed ninth grade drama, you must <laughs> kind of rocked up and been like, okay, here we go again. Like, we'll uh, start again. <laughs> yeah. And I think they knew that too. I think they knew all three of us hadn't really done anything before. There were um, mm. myself and Phoebe Tonkin and Kariba Hine who played the three mermaids. And so they knew they had to just, we didn't know where to look. We were staring right down the barrel of the camera. We didn't know where to stand. We really had no idea what they were doing, uh, what we were doing. And so they just taught us as we went. And uh, I will actually always be grateful for that because I probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have my family, I wouldn't have my life, I wouldn't have any of these things if it weren't for that. So it's a pretty cool thing to think about. It's the best sort of education really, isn't it? Just on the job like mm-hmm. that. And for sure. That's the sort of things as an actor I don't think people realise. It's like the placement of where you're looking, where you're standing, how you're, you know, how you're positioned. It's like little things like that you don't consider, do you, behind the scenes? You never think about it. And it's really intense training, you know, because you don't have time to mess up. You can, the whole production relies on you being able to do, do your part. So, But there is a lot of stuff that we had to learn or there was a lot of stuff that we had to learn that 
was, you know, you'd never think about. Like you have to stand on this specific mark so the camera can see you through this angle or you have to look mm. in this direction because the camera's moving this way. And it's it. there's a lot that goes into it and thankfully you have a lot of really brilliant people on a film crew who can <laughs> usher you through it because, you know, most of the time when it's your first job, you have no idea what you're doing. And from there, you've obviously gone on to arguably bigger series like Vampire Diaries is enormous. I mean, yes. still with that and obviously the original still a hugely engaged audience. Do you still see awesome. that now? That Yeah, it's amazing. I, I've been so lucky that I've been on a couple of series now that have this incredible fan base. And, you know, I just got lucky to be plopped in the Vampire Diaries. I came in season three. Um, I actually had only signed on for three episodes as a guest star. And I think that they knew that they wanted the character to stay, but obviously you're never sure who you hire and if it's going to work and that sort of thing. So it ended up being, I signed on for three and then I signed on for 10 episodes and then it just kept going, which was so awesome. And to this day, I think people still watch it, which I'm I'm convinced everyone thinks I'm this washed up, like old mum now, but it's really nice to have people come and say that they love the show and they still watch it. And uh, it's a nice feeling. Well, even like the reaction to your photo with Phoebe the other day, because obviously yeah. you both starred in the originals, like surely that's related to the fan base and the community there. Like there was a lot of Well, I of think because we've done a lot of shows together now. So that we did H2O together. We did The Vampire Diaries, yeah. although we didn't have scenes together in Vampire Diaries. And then we did the originals together. So they're all, it's just a lot of um, of different fan bases combined, I think. And, and they, I think they also love that we're still friends. You know, we met when we were 16. Yeah. We really relied on each other for so many years. And um, to this day, we're still friends. In fact, I just came from coffee with her before right now. So, oh, wow. you know, it's a really Aww. nice thing to have a friend, a friend for that long. Oh, that's really sweet. I'm going to put you on the spot, actually. Let's go. So out of all the projects that you've done, including Pretty Little Liars for as well, what, what's, been, what's been your favourite sort of project to be involved in? can we ask that is that like asking yeah, yeah, you can. your favorite no, you, child like it is a little bit it's it's interesting because you're like i haven't got uh, one it's this one <laughs> it's this one uh yeah. <laughs> well it's funny because i kind of think of the jobs i've had more in terms of like how i what kind of mental headspace i was in in my life so that really impacts how i view them because if i look mm. back I, you know, The Vampire Diaries was an incredible show. H2O gave me my start. It was an incredible show. But, you know, I was learning and growing and I was a kid, you know, still trying to do school at H2O. So I was struggling with that. And then The Vampire Diaries, I just moved to America and I didn't know anyone and, you know, I didn't have a network. So um, I think if I think about the job that I loved the most, it would have to be the show I did called Aquarius. Uh, with David Duchovny. I played a police officer in uh, the 1960s, uh, one of the first to go undercover in the Charles Manson ring. ring. And it was mm-hmm. um, it was just this confluence of an amazing show and great people that I was working with. And I finally kind of felt settled in America. And so, and I was in LA, which was a big part of like how I felt about certain jobs. It was dependent on the location, to be honest, because some mm. cities are harder to shoot in the, than others. So that's a very complicated and roundabout answer. But uh, and people probably aren't going to like it. But that was my favorite, I think. And you talked about there having sort of fat new fans 
pop up who are watching series that you've been in and bringing new audiences in. Mm. But with shows like The Vampire Diaries, I feel like it almost has a bit of like a cult following. Like when people are into it, they are like, they're in. Yes. And I'm a bit obsessed with fans being obsessed with shows. Have you ever had any like weird things sent to you or like people doing weird stuff in the street, like giving you garlic or like a wooden steak or, you know, like where's the line with that? It's honestly, they're so nice and it, it, you can see that they love this show and obviously it's the characters, not you. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing to do with what I've created. It's what's been written for me. Right. But they're so excited about what that show and what it is and what it means for them that it's so hard not to Mm. smile and love it. Like even when they give weird things or they say weird things. Like a clove of garlic. Like a clove of garlic or a steak. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, honestly, a lot of times people have given me chocolate, which I love. One of my favourite things, Cadbury. I I think I said before I love Cadbury. People show up with Cadbury. It's perfect. Um, (laughs) Great. but, (laughs) But it... You know, there's just everyone's. All, I've never had an experience where I've been like, "Oh, that's scary," or that. You know, now I'm, I'm saying that someone's going to show up at my front door and like going to knock on all this wood. Um, I, I've <laughs> only ever had really pleasant fan experiences, which has been a nice thing. That's great because obviously shows like that just put you, like, you say on on the map. And we were talking earlier, obviously, about your Instagram account, and it is really obvious from that that you're a very open person. You're very real about your life and not a lot of people do put on a front for Instagram and sometimes that can be quite difficult I think for people is that something that you sort of consciously decided that you wanted to do or is it just naturally you so it was always going to kind of be the case no I think it took me a minute to sort of figure out how I wanted to present myself to the world and I certainly dabbled in the like image type thing of posting Mm. the filtered photos and this is what I think people want to see and then I realized like there was never going to be longevity in that because it's not who I am I am a pretty open book I really do like to connect with people and I think that you know social media can do so many difficult things and it, it what I mean to say is it can be very challenging at times but if you use it for the things that are going to benefit other people. I think it's a beautiful thing. So for example, like when I had my miscarriage, I felt really alone at the time. And I Mm. decided that I was going to be open about the experience and I was going to share it with people because I felt like it wasn't talked about enough then. And I, I didn't know who I could turn to. And when I was vocal about it, I had thousands of people reach out to Mm. me and share their story and connect with me about that and talk about this like shared grief. And there was a huge healing moment for me there. And I realized then, you know, this can be a tool for for incredible change and to, you know, really help people. And so I just decided to start sharing a little more. And obviously I keep some things private, you know, I try and respect respect my family in that way but I do share a lot of my life and I share how I feel and I share how difficult motherhood can be and how I really struggled during the postpartum period um and I just try and use the platform to make people feel less alone I guess I think it's yeah I think it's a really refreshing that we're starting to move into a world where people are doing that more and actually like you say there are groups of people who are experiencing things that they can't connect with potentially in their own circle that it opens up a world to them of people who it gives them comfort that people have felt the same and that they can hear other people's experiences so I definitely definitely agree with you on that 
Oh, yeah, that's how I felt anyway. So I was like, well, if I feel this way, I'm sure there's so many other people who feel the same way. And like, let's use this to help each other as opposed to hide and feel shame and feel like we have nowhere to turn. Definitely. Um, but we also, I also really enjoy on the flip side, though, there was a photo you posted of your son about him having the potential <laughs> to ghost people in the future. And I was laughing and I was like, that kid is going to ghost people. I, I agree with oh, you on that one. Like he is I'm so, so nervous. cute. He's just, he's got that vibe. I really don't want to raise a baby F boy. So I'm, I'm trying to like figure out what I need to do. Do I get him into chess? Do I like dress him different? He's so sweet. He's such a lover. And he really is like the kindest, cutest little fella. I don't think he would ghost anyone if he's just such a lover. And he's a people pleaser like me. But it is, it's, it's pretty scary when you see them start to become little people and you're like, oh my God, this is my job. I've got to like influence him to become a good person instead of a bad person. Holy crap, that's a lot of pressure. So much pressure. How old is he? Is he three? He's two. He's uh, He was two he's in two. March. Yeah. I love that we're talking about the potential to be an F boy and he's two. He looks a bit like it though. That's the problem. Like I'll take a picture of him and be like, oh, you belong on F boy island. This kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's because his dad dresses him. I really love like the preppy chic Nantucket vibe, but his dad likes to dress him like really trendy. And I think that's the problem. I'll sometimes be out and I'll see it like a two or three year old. And I'm like, that kid is legit more trendy than I am. Like what's happening <laughs> to the world? Like, <laughs> To be fair, it's easier. You can buy every kind of like in style outfit. They look great on them. They don't have to, it's, and they, it's very easy to be trendy. I think as a two year old, it's much harder for us. That's what I tell myself anyway. When I show up in like sweatpants for the seventh day in a row and my <laughs> my kids looking chic. I love that. Well, we were oh, talking about like big franchise TV shows. What's your favorite TV show? What's your go-to watch? Oh, listen, I have so many. I think all time, if I had to pick, uh, like saying I had to pick a favorite child, um, I'd say Game of Thrones. Oh, great shot. Such yes. a good show. So Stands good. A, stand up to any other show. But I've been obsessively watching this show called Alone right now, which is where they take 10 people and they drop them into the wilderness, the Arctic, some, you know, some kind of freezing cold place. But in the summertime, they're allowed to take 10 things with them and they have to survive as long as they can. No food or anything. So they have to build their own shelter. They have to hunt their own food, catch fish and just survive. And it is wild. It is the most insane experiment because they have no one's around them it lasts two hours well yeah because that's the thing (laughs) like you see like these these certain shows like survivor or there's in the uk we've got um what's it called sas who dares wins right uh yeah and you've got to see if you can you know survive in that sort of tough environment i always wonder like how would i do no i'd like to think i could but i would last two unless i could bring cadbury as I was going to say, what would, you, what, what would <laughs> you take to the island? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think about this all the time. I'm like, well, do I, I'm not good at building a fire, so I'd have to take one of those flint thing. Is that what it's called? The sticks. Yeah. I, I, and yeah. then I definitely need a fishing rod. I'm not good at it with a bow and arrow, and I don't think I could hunt like wild game, to be honest. That might, that's too traumatizing. Many people can, can they? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. I'm not a poor bunny. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'd never last. I'd get too hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Hunger's the main thing, actually. That would be the main thing. That would be the killer. 
They lose yeah. so much weight too. They lose like 25% of their body weight. Some of them have to get extracted for medical reasons because they've lost so much weight. They worry that their organs are going to fail. Whoa, that's extreme. And they Gosh. start, it's really interesting to see what happens to their head. It's not like physically, but how they handle it emotionally. It's a good show. You yeah. should watch it. But I love that you're a Game of Thrones fan. Like I'm a huge, huge Game of Thrones fan. And I do think like we talk about plot twists, but that was such an epic show because you'd be so invested in a character and you'd be like love them love them they're not obviously going to die because they're oh and they've been killed and they're gone dead the red wedding was like the first one where i was like how could they i don't know my mouth was genuinely open in shock for a good 10 minutes like i just couldn't really process it for quite a while even now i'm like traumatized great show though great show so good so good it's brilliant Obviously, you're not just a successful actress. You're also, you know, dabbling in the business world. You've got your collaboration with Andy, Trying. the swimwear line. A light How's, dabble. How, uh, how are you finding that? <laughs> no, it's been, honestly, it's been such a treat because this past year, given the pandemic and the fact that I had two babies really close together, I sort of took some time away from acting. And I realized that I have so many other interests and I'm, you know, this was a space, an opportunity that came up and I didn't have a lot of confidence. I didn't feel like it would be something that I'd be good at. I don't have any experience with design and, you know, my temperament in general, I, I kind of talk myself out of things and like, oh, I can't do that, you know, like alone, I'd survive two hours. So I was very <laughs> nervous um, going into it, but they were just so supportive and, and kind of convinced me that I really do have a voice in this space. I grew up by the ocean. I've been a swimmer my whole life. I've also seen my body in so many different shapes over the past two years, you know, going through pregnancy twice and the postpartum period. And so I really did feel actually that I had something to add. And it was such an amazing experience to sort of venture into an area that I'd never done anything in before and learn about it and help develop it. And I was involved with like every single design meeting and the fittings and, you know, up into the photo shoot, I did that myself too, obviously. So it was an awesome experience. And it showed me like, even though I was really set on being an actor before I had kids and that was my career path and that was all I wanted. And I had these goals I wanted to achieve. I've realized like there are so many other areas that I could focus on. And um, it was, it was a really special thing actually. I was going to say it kind of uh, ties back to your growing up in Australia, being on the beach, and for sure, that must be yeah. It, I, I mean, I've been a swimmer my whole life, and you know, I really love the ocean, but I've always felt insecure about swimwear. I, you know, no matter how I've looked, it's just been the way my mind has worked. Honestly, until I had kids, and then I really became more secure in myself, and I sort of looked at my body as something that had built these two incredible little people and I had so much respect for it as opposed to just like seeing it as an aesthetic or what mm. it could do for me or how it looked you know so um it was a really freeing feeling and then it was really cool to design from that mindset I was say, do you design them with what you would want in mind or do you have like different people in your life that like inspire different styles and different looks this collection was really like, okay, this is going to be my collection of what I've always hoped for in a swimsuit. So when I was pulling source images, I was like, well, these are a pair of yoga pants that I thought, the, you know, the waistline was really cool. And this is a top I've always wanted to try. And, you know, after I had babies, I had this area of my stomach that had a little extra skin. And I feel like maybe I need some support there. So I kind of went into it 
with that. And then I also reached out to people through my Instagram, which is another, you know, amazing uh, tool to say, like, what do you want? And what do you feel like you need? And what are you looking for um, when it comes to, like, swimwear? So it was it was great. It was so fun and exciting. And even on, you know, the day of the swim shoot, before I had kids, I probably would have, like, eaten salad and worked out like a madman. But I was like, you know what? This is who I am. This is my body. This is where I'm at. I was eating all day long. I was enjoying the experience. And it was really just so nice to sort of get there. And it felt like a bit of a metaphor for where I was in my life and like how I changed and evolved. I love that. Designing it for like, say, like the everyday person that people mm-hmm. are going to just enjoy wearing. And yeah, that's amazing. I love that. But did you yeah. did you think that you would go into kind of fashion and design at some point? Was that always kind of part of the plan? Or like, what was the catalyst for that coming about? Never. To be honest, when another when I was 18, some girl, I had this bully and she used to like make fun of my style all the time. So I was, <laughs> I was like, that's never an avenue for me. It's been, you know, drilled into my head. No, um, I just didn't think that it would be something that I would be good at. And, you know, I've... I have the type of personality, or at least I have my whole life, where I'm like, okay, I know one thing. The one thing that I know is how to, you know, show up and learn my lines and be professional Mm. on a set. That's what I can do. And I never sort of had the confidence to try other things. And that's been such a beautiful part of this pandemic too. I think it's been awful for so many people, but the silver lining is we've kind of got to sit with ourselves and be present and realize like, okay, maybe there's something else that inspires me or excites me, or maybe I have the confidence to try something now that I never had. Cause if not now, then when, you know, mm. almost recharged in a way, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I love that with the acting and with this though, that it wasn't on the radar, but then it's something that you've kind of then just explored and then it's become this reality. That's really cool. I think that's a theme in my life, you know, because with my husband and my family and acting and this these new ventures now, I've realized like anytime I wasn't looking for something or I wasn't, it wasn't what I was desperately trying to achieve, it came to me. And so I think I've tried to sort of live that way now and just be open and allow it's a bit woo-woo, but allow the universe or whatever to bring to me what is meant for me. No, I get it. Um, let's ask you uh, our second sort of plot twist related question. This one's more centered around people. Is there somebody behind the scenes that's been for you an unexpected source of inspiration, you know, whether it's with growing up or throughout your career or even personally? I would say two. I think, you know, my mum, uh, for me, she was always so supportive of me as an actor. And growing up in Australia, you know, I'm from Brisbane, Australia, that's not a career path that many people take. And I didn't Mm -hmm. have much belief in myself. But for some reason, she always thought, like, there's no reason that you can't do it. And to have someone, you know, I really hope to be that for my kids because to have someone that was like, why not? Why can't you book that job? Why can't you move to America? Why can't you, you know... And, and when someone believes in you like that, it's kind of hard not to believe in yourself. So she was really amazing and instrumental, I think, in encouraging me to try. Because if, I've, if it didn't work out, I could go back, I could do something else. But, you know, you're never going to know if you don't try. So my mum was kind of that person for me. And then, and then in more recent years, my husband has definitely been the source of inspiration in terms of venturing into other areas and, you know, learning about finance and learning about investing and design, you know, because I had never 
bit with anyone who had sort of seen that for me. And he was so encouraging and, and, you know, do a course, buy a book, learn about finance, learn about investing. You know, there's no reason that you can't just because you're a mum now and you've done something for your entire life doesn't mean you can't go somewhere else. So it's really cool to have people like that in your life who support you and push you because I'm not sure I would be where I am if it weren't for them. I think as humans, we have a bit of a tendency to put ourselves in a box, don't we? Which is like, yeah. I am mm. this person. And actually the best people in life are people that believe in you more than you almost believe in yeah. yourself and push you out of that comfort zone and make you realise that actually you're the only person who's created the box that you're in. <laughs> so true. And I think it's also like a bit of Australian slash British thing, you know, the tall poppy syndrome. You never want to be seen as as too big or, you know, showing off or believing in yourself more than you should. Mm. You know, I, I always grew up thinking like, I have to be humble. I have, I can't, you know, I have to make fun of myself. I have to be self, I can't really believe in myself too much because it's going to look like I'm bragging or whatever. And so I, I think having other people encourage you and, and help you to sort of shake that is a really awesome thing. You talked about your first acting job being a bit of a kind of off the cuff, like uh, saw the audition and went for it. Yeah. Had that not happened, like we love to talk about sliding doors mm. and yeah. if one thing hadn't happened, all the successive things that might not have happened. In an alternative reality where you didn't go into acting, what do you think you would be doing potentially in life? It's so hard to think about. you think you found your way? Because I had applied for university. I mean, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I'd just done a straight, applied for a straight business management course. But I have a feeling I would have ended up in a totally different world. I don't think I would have had anything to do with the creative side of filmmaking or the acting industry. Um, I I really loved science at school. So like maybe, maybe I would have found something in that path. But it's just so wild to think about because now I cannot imagine not doing it and not mm. having this creative outlet. It was almost as if growing up, like I came from a very academic family and I felt like this wasn't good enough. Like unless I was achieving academically or unless I, you know, was trying to get into medical school or science or, you know, my sister has three degrees, unless I was doing something like that, I, you know, I wasn't smart and it wasn't, mm. um, I, I didn't value myself. That didn't come from anyone else. That was totally self-imposed. Uh, but I think now that I've realized like there's so much value in providing people entertainment or something that they can watch and shut off Definitely. and engage in and something they can listen to and, you know, disconnect for a while and feel like they have friends or, you know, like we said with these fans, they really connect with characters or people. So there's value in that. And that's like a really nice thing to have discovered. I think when you've got a passion for something and, and you get so invested, it is hard then to actually imagine what life is outside of that. For sure. Um, we've got, I've got a little uh, fun one at the end to, to finish with, Conscious of Time. But um, we mentioned about your marriage and obviously three years, a bit of a whirlwind, two two kids. Yeah. Um, what, what's the what's the advice here? What's the secret? You know, France <laughs> exposed me in the elevator. What's so, the secret? Yeah, uh, you know, it's so it's it sounds really cliche, but we keep dating each other. I think, you know, we've, we knew right away there was this like moment for me. And I think for him too, like, I just knew when I met him, this was going to be the person that I wanted to be with. And it was very, very quick. But then when you add kids to the mix and, you know, life challenges, it can get difficult. And so we're really focused on, you know, 
continuing to make time for our relationship and we go on dates and we go away together without our kids and and we even when it's difficult we force ourselves to like turn towards the fire and stoke the fire instead of turning away from it and that's you know ask me in 20 years but that's really worked well for us (laughs) take notes tom take notes tom (laughs) so i've been writing under the desk here seriously yeah secretly tell rachel you'd love to stoke her fire see what she does (laughs) in in an elevator that she's stuck in with you uh just what dreams are made of (laughs) yep yeah i think she'll say something She'll be like, you know what? I knew. This is it. This is a moment. It's my sliding doors moment. This is the one. I was was thinking something else, like bugger off. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Claire, it's been so lovely to chat. Um, so nice talking to you guys. Thanks for the time. Really great. Good luck with the swimwear. Where, where can we find it, by the way? Thank you. Andyswim.com, and then they ship internationally. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Well, Fran, you're going away in a few weeks, so, you know. I am. I've got my first holiday booked, so I'll get ordering. But thank you so much. It's been so thank great chatting. Thank you, guys. It was great to oh, talk it's been to great you. Fun. And have a great trip. Thanks. Huge thank you to Claire Holt. We said before, Fran, that she was going to be open and honest, tell it like it is, and just all round lovely. And that's exactly how she was. She was great, and I enjoyed that she bantered back to us as well. I, I, she gave me stick for keeping my chocolate in the fridge. She gave you a lot of stick, which, to be fair, was warranted about the Rachel McAdams and the elevator thing. Like that was perfectly you innocent. Friend. Once Rachel again, McAdams you've, you've taken awkward no. at the best of times, but um, she really oh. pulled you up on that, which I, which I thoroughly enjoyed. No, I could see, I could tell, I could hear. Mm, thanks. I'm surprised uh, Attenborough did didn't love make her. an appearance in the lift, to be honest. He often pops up in the, the hypothetical questions, doesn't he? <laughs> Every week we get Attenborough <laughs> popping in in some week. capacity. Yeah. <laughs> but let's move on from that, Fran, because every series there's some reference to my dating life and every series you tear it apart. But of all the people to ask, I felt she was the one because we'd spoke about it in the intro about her Instagram and her love for her family. But the fact that her husband Mm. was her life plot twist and her person plot twist, that just relationship goals. So I feel like we couldn't end the interview without asking for a little bit of advice. So I'll let you off the hook a little bit on that one. No, and you could tell she was very family orientated. Was it her dad that was one of 10 kids and... She was saying about her mum, the influence of her mum growing up and supporting her and pushing her to achieve everything in life. Her family Mm. was like a big core component of who she is. Yeah, and she was really open and we touched upon it in the interview. But, you know, she shared about, you know, overcoming her own challenges around changes in her body during pregnancy and motherhood and obviously the miscarriage that she suffered. And I think it is so honest and open how she was talking about using that platform to connect with people and try and offer people some solace around things that they'd gone through so yeah it was it was one of those interviews wasn't it it was like we laughed and then we almost could have been on the on the edge of tears at points it was so refreshing and and honest so yeah love chatting to claire i really like the fact that for somebody that has had so much success as our own swimwear line, all these different things. Actually, there was still this sort of imposter syndrome. But at the, at the flip side of that, there was still somebody that was really willing to push boundaries to try and get the most out of life. And like you say, with the vulnerability and talking about the miscarriage, by the very nature of sharing that, that can only be a positive thing in making others feel more comfortable. So good for her. Yeah. 
And even the way she talks about, you know, her modeling and the fashion side of things. And she said, you know, the day before the shoe, I could have eaten salads and tried to go in there and, and be the very perfect version of myself. But actually, I'm a real person. So I just went in. I did me, take it or leave it. I've designed swimwear for kind of the everyday person. So I just, yeah, I thought she was a really, really down to earth lady and it was a really enjoyable chat. And she loves Game of Thrones. So, you know, what what more could you ask for somebody? And we both hate coriander. So it was a win-win situation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Big thank you to Claire Holt. And on that note, Fran, I'm going to get some Vegemite on some toast. I'm going to take the chocolate out of the fridge. Uh, Definitely also spend some time clearing up that floor drobe. You're never going to end up cornered in a lift with any woman, let alone Rachel McAdams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.